Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny will be having on transformational leadership advisor, teacher, speaker, and three-time best-selling author, Christine O'Reilly. And the two of them will be chatting about her latest book, Overwhelmed and Over It. So tune in and be ready to liberate yourself from stress and overwhelm. Awaken your fierce feminine heart and activate your practical superpowers. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with joy, peace, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, excuse me, you can always access those show archives at 1150kknw.com. You can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. Um, you can find out more about me through my website, which is goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. And um, Benny, I forgot to ask you about this before we went live, but um, so we are on like a, a delay between what's broadcast live in Seattle and then how it gets um, then filtered into KPCA here right, in Petaluma. Right, because so our super because our super producers are working diligently on. The- the show going from one market to another. I totally understand. Totally get it. That's what, yeah, we'll just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think what I've decided, like, if I keep track of the time, I can make an announcement and call to action. And then if you can, don't mind editing it out after, that way I can do a little by, announcement. But I have no idea what you're talking about at all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say, okay, Benny, this is where we're going to do the editing after the show. But before we bring on our amazing guest today, who I'm so excited to welcome back to Sunny in Seattle, um, Benny, how are things with you up in Seattle? Uh, I pretty like good. To I, I don't know if I can compete with cat puking, and I hope uh, Action Jackson <laughs> is okay. I know it's not him. I think it's the other one, but it's not, oh. a, it's not a big deal, and I my heart goes out to <laughs> the cat family there. So. How about your heart goes out to me, who is the one living well... in a rental with carpet and two pukey kitties <laughs> uh, you kind of put yourself there didn't you <laughs> I have become, I have to say one of my, we're going to talk about superpowers today on the show as well. That's what you need right now. (laughs) Oh, well, yes. One of my superpowers is that I'm very proud to say is that I can get just about any stain out of anything. And I have never had carpet in as long as I can remember. I mean, the last few homes we've been in have been hardwood only, which works a lot better for kitties. Uh, Um, So I have become an expert in stain removing on carpet, but I can get stains out of just about anything. So it's a good superpower to have right about now. I would think so. Yeah. And as we speak, I can hear Jackson trying to open the kitchen cabinets to get to the kitty treats. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I may. (laughs) Oh, the fun of doing the live radio from the home. Life on the cat farm. Yeah. Life on the cat farm. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. Yeah. So Benny, anyway, so how are you? (laughs) Doing great. Doing great. A couple weeks away from Halloween. Still don't have a a costume, but I don't think. Hang on. Now, remember, this happens every year. I, I'm, I do really well under pressure when it comes okay. down to the last minute. I have an idea. I still don't know if we're going to do it just because this year's going to be a little different. You know what I mean? Oh, so um, we're trying to work the details out on that, whether we're going to do anything here at the, at the uh, our work. Because uh, we usually go pretty big on that every year. But this year oh, we might yeah. not be doing it. So um, okay. just, I mean, I know, but don't think too depressed. It's not going to be such of a bummer deal, but I, it might be. 
Well, I bet uh, whatever time you would have used to create that costume can be devoted to helping the boys have a fun Halloween, even though circumstances are different. I'm exactly. Sure it will all work out. And you'll get a break from having to win the costume contest I know. yet again. Heaven forbid, <laughs> right? Uh, to make it a four-peat, you know, because I did the three-peat last year. It'd be a four in a row. So I might have to also give that one up, you know, but this yeah. was next year, too. I'm, uh, it's all good. It's all good. Okay. Well, we'll stay tuned for that, then. Totally. Okay, Benny, good to check in with you. And I am excited now to move to our guest for today, who is Christine Arilo. Um, she was last on the show. She wrote um, uh, a book with Amy Ehlers called Reform Your Inner Mean Girl that I just loved. And so now um, Christine is back with another book. She has She's three bestsellers, but this latest is Overwhelmed and Over It. Um, Christine Arilo has an MBA. She is a transformational leadership advisor, a three-time bestselling author, and host of the popular Feminine Power Time podcast. She is recognized worldwide for her work, helping women make shift happen in the lives they lead, the work they do, and the world they wish to create. Arilo offers workshops globally and lives near Seattle. Uh, you can find out more about her. Uh, she has a website that you can visit, christinearilo.com. Arilo is spelled A-R-Y-L-O. Um, and of course, she's on all the socials uh, under her name, Christine Arilo. Um, Christine, welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. Oh, hello, Sunny and Benny. Glad to be with you all. This time I'm in, C I'm in Seattle or just, you know, on an island yeah. a couple miles yeah, away. Like, hello, neighbor. <laughs> hello. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like you and I did a switcheroo. Um, I left Seattle to come to Petaluma, which I was just telling Christine off air. I live less than a mile from Christine's publicist with New World Library, who is her publisher. But anyway, and then Christine went up to the Pacific Northwest from the Bay Area. So. <laughs> we did do a switcheroo, but they're both beautiful places to live for sure. Oh yeah, I can't. I would not. I I would live in either of them very happily. So, um, so I'm curious. Um, I know that you have worked on this book, overwhelmed and over it, for about three years now. Um, so it sounds like it's been a very uh, near and dear to your heart project. And I'm I'm just curious. You know, what prompted it? What really uh, inspired you to bring this to paper? Well, it started about ten years ago. So it took me three years to write the book. Oop. Yes. Oh, you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can yep. you hear oh, us? Okay, great. Yeah, we all got you. Um, just making sure. <laughs> no, 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 I'm glad. Please um, do. Hold a second. It's making a little crackly. Is that better? Can you all hear me? Yes, yep, we can hear you loud and clear. Okay, great. Um, so it started about 10 years ago, I would say. Um, and so that took me three years to write the book, but it was about a 10-year journey. And it began actually with my first book in 2009 when I had what I call my first superwoman sob. So, yeah. Sonny, I'm not sure if you've had one of these, and I'm not sure if you've had a superman sob, um, Benny, or all of you listening out there, but it's that moment when the pressure is too much um, and or you've been working so hard and giving so much, and no matter how much you do, you're just not having the results that you want to have, and it's just not working, and the tears just come streaming out. Have you ever had? No, I'm perfect. These, I, I'm, I'm perfect, <laughs> so it doesn't apply to me. Um, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. related. I, yeah, I'm just kidding. No, I've had my moments. In fact, I believe it was less than 24 hours ago. <laughs> oh, my God, me. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but it's true. Truth be told. Uh, well, you know, with the Zooming and the kids in school, uh, they had to be dropped off here at work for just a, a smidgen for some scheduling issues. 
And it was me running in between shows and them on their Zoom uh, rooms and meetings. And thankfully, they're in the same class, but they are in different rooms as far as teachers. So managing that, network issues, and are they supposed to be reading? Are they not supposed to be reading? Oh, hey, what's live on the air? Like, I, <laughs> So I thought in my head I could manage it, and I came right to the almost end point there. So, yes, I have had that. Yes. And I, Christine, as you wrote about it, that moment sitting, you said it was in a hotel room in Texas in a really hot August day, which, you know, I'm from Texas originally, and I'm envisioning you in this hot, hot, hot place surrounded by parking lots, sitting on the toilet in a hotel bathroom. And man, it was a visceral experience reading about your moment, your superwoman. <laughs> the lid was moment. down, though, so I will say that. The lid was down. <laughs> and oh, it was, and it was. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's the real story, and um, it was the real story. And I realized in that moment, because what had happened is I was basically working two jobs to pay for the book tour. It was my kind of corporate consulting job, and then my coaching business, which was still growing at the time. And no matter you know, how much money I spent and how many TV shows I went on, I just wasn't having the impact I wanted. And I, and I, I got a text from my partner, Noah, who was standing in a garden that we had planted in our dream home that we had purchased in California with our Siberian Husky. And here I am all alone in this hotel room, you know, not really having the meaningful impact I want. And I just look at that picture of Noah and my dog and my home and this garden, and I realize everything I love is there, and I'm here. And I realized I had created a life that wasn't actually nourishing me. And that was a little bit of a hard pill <laughs> to swallow, but it was also very empowering because it helped me say, you know what, if I created this, I can actually create something different. And that brought me home and changed my whole business and how I was operating. And it wasn't the last Superwoman sob. You all, I've had multiple since. And that um, is part of like what brought me to the question of like, how is it after, you know, I think there's like 60 years that women have been in the workforce and all the stress management stuff and all this, you know, all the things, all the self-help, all the self-care, that so many of us still feel burned out, overwhelmed, and overworked no matter how much we do. And that set me on a 10-year research, really, and experimenting and living. And um, three years ago, I knew it was time to write the book. Yeah, and you write. There's a the. I think this was. Um, I can't. I think this is from some of the interview materials that I was reviewing. But I just. I love the way that you wrote about this. About what really led this moment and what it represented in your life. And you wrote. There is a direct link between the instability and resource depletion on the planet and the pressure and burnout in people. If every woman on the planet looked around and really opened her eyes to what we've accepted as how things have to be in everything from the structure of a Monday through Friday workday to two weeks of vacation to school schedules to maternity leaves. And I'm thinking, you know, just to add in there, you know, promoting a book and putting your work out into the world, we'd see the truth. We've been assimilating into systems that never had our best interest at heart. Um, yeah. So what did you learn about what needed to change in your life? Well, I just, I'm just taking an exhale. Because yeah, right? Like everyone, everyone exhale. <laughs> it's a lot. And I think that's the thing that really sparked my, my heart was like, we've been trying to make this work for so long. 
and we keep trying to, you know, apply self-care and apply stress management and apply all these things, there's something deeper going on here. And what, like you just read, Sunny, is like, I didn't want to write a book. I didn't even want to talk about another seven self-care tips. Um, I wanted to actually get under the root of why is it that this keeps being our reality. And what I found was 12 very specific imprints that existed in me and a lot of um, other people that I worked with that were causing us to make unconscious choices, how we struck for everything from our daily life to our big life design decisions, and then also some real systemic issues that are just present in how our society has been created. And I think what's happened with the pandemic has been starting to open up people's eyes of like, oh, we can do this different. I could do it. Why are we doing it? Why have we been doing it that way? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to point out, you just used your word imprint. And I thought that really stood out to me in the book because this goes deeper than beliefs, beliefs about how we're supposed to show up. You're calling it an imprint. Do you mind explaining why you decided to use imprint versus belief? Yeah, that's such a that's such a good question. It's really intentional, Sunny, and everyone is that we talk a lot about like just change your beliefs, right? Just change your thoughts. If you change your beliefs, then you know all all will be well. Um, right. <laughs> if it was that easy, and you know the interesting thing about our beliefs, it's like these versus like an imprint is it's we have these deeply ingrained patterns that are within us, not just at a mental level but also deeply in our heart at a, an emotional level, whether in our cellular body, in our physical body, our energetic body. And so I think it's part of why we haven't been able to break out of and break free um, of these both social constraints and these unconscious beliefs and imprints and really like deep patterns that are connected to fear and I'm not belonging and not having what we need and, you know, all that deeper stuff we haven't been able to break through because we've just been mostly focused on the mental part. But if you really get like, oh, these are like imprints that have been imprinted onto me from society, onto me from my family, onto me um, from just living on this crazy planet, and then I assimilated those and made those be how things have to be, Um, Like working hard as an example, like how many Mm -hmm. of us have been told you have to work hard to succeed? Right. And the word hard means to toil and to grind, gruesome, create pain. That's what it actually means. But people say that all the time. And one of the things I'm trying to, to do for people is like understand how just even our words make a big difference. And instead of working hard, what if we actually worked wisely? And the interesting thing about working wise, if you take that word wise, what the word wise means is to find the path basically to harmony, to find the path to harmony. And harmony means grace and peace. And so if you think about that in your own life, it's like all the ways that we have been trained that things have to be hard in order to succeed. But the thing is that, and you know this, Sunny and Benny, because that's what you all do here, and why and many of you know this, like, there's, there are other ways to do it, but we've been so trained and entranced in this fast, 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 go, 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 grow, grow, grow. Wisdom doesn't operate on, um, I always say, wisdom doesn't operate on Google speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I have to say that is one of the things that stood out to me in this book as an overarching theme um, was that there is so much, um, I guess, what is the word? Um you really invite people to relax into 
divine timing or the timing of the universe, whatever word you like to call it, and that we've got a piece of that inside of us. And of course, it's outside of us as well. But there's this um, this really beautiful to me invitation or opportunity to get out of these human made systems uh, once you have awareness on the imprints and how deep they go. But that that there is this uh, available what you call, you know, harmony and ease and flow and pace versus push. And and to me, that's all held so beautifully by the um, I'll call it the divine um, that lives both inside of us and outside of us. And I'm curious, you know, I know you have a background, not only, you know, an MBA uh, from a top tier school, but also uh, at least a decade or more studying a lot of wisdom traditions. And I'm curious how those two overlap. And if that theme that I just mentioned, you know, that was really intentional on your part. Taking another exhale. Everyone exhale. (laughs) I want everyone to exhale all of the ways you're putting time-induced pressure on yourself. Um, (laughs) So I think there's two questions in there, Sunny. It's like, so here's the deal, everybody. I um, want to admit I am a card-carrying member in the Impatience Club. (laughs) 100%. And I, Sunny, I don't know if you have one, Benny. I don't know if you have one, but I have one, and I've tried to tear it up many times, and it just keeps coming back. So (laughs) I've had to learn how to do things differently because in my traditional education and training, it, like, exacerbated that impatience, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the exponential growth model and, you know, get the A or just, like, drive hard, strive, push, grind, and I was rewarded for all of that. And I remember at the age of 29, um, making a pretty big career decision, I looked up at all of the executives that were, like, above me in this consulting company I was working with, and they all were tired. (laughs) They were bags under their eyes and just tired. I'm like, there has to be a different way. And that is – that was a year before I had my big spiritual awakening in the middle of my MBA um, process and started (laughs) to seek out um, what I didn't know were called at that time wisdom traditions. And so – since that time, so almost 20 years, um, just dove deep into indigenous wisdom and sacred feminine wisdom and yogic science, and I kind of feel like I take that and I braided that into my traditional training to come up with some really practical ways for for what exactly you're, you're asking about, Sunny, is like how to do it differently. And um, everyone take another exhale. And I think we all should breathe a lot reminder. more. I mean, <laughs> I'm just feeling it's really important to keep breathing. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, another, I'm just, I'm looking at my outline here and in this theme of doing things differently. I, I feel like this not only applies in your book, this is a quote from the book. The consciousness that got us here cannot take us to what we need now. I feel like that is such, that just nails it not only in the way that we show up in the world as you write about and do our work and and interact with people, but I feel like the consciousness that got us here in so many other areas, you know, social justice and medicine and religion and all of the things. And I'm, I just, do you mind speaking about that a little bit about what you see as what, what the consciousness that we need to embrace now, what we need now versus the consciousness that got us here? Yeah, I mean, I think anyone that's here listening and participating in this conversation right now, like we all know that the way that the planet we are operating within the planet isn't sustainable. Like, it's like we all know that. And it can feel 
actually that's part of what can overwhelm all of us, right? Because we see all of it. I mean, I'm looking right now out at the Puget Sound and there's all these beautiful Canadian geese out there and, um, and just, you know, whether it's the water quality or it's the, um, the, <laughs> the, the cost of health care, the cost of housing. I mean, we can just name 8,000 different things that are not working and are not sustainable in our world right now. And one of the things, two things I guess I would say, is one of the empowering things is that humans design the systems. So just everyone think about this for a moment. Every system that's on the planet that is not natural of how the, the world, which is basically, you know, nature and the cycles of the moon and the cycles of the seasons and all of that, which has been going on for before humans were on this planet. But everything else is man-made, human-made, which means we have the power to do it differently. So we can change our government system. We can change healthcare. We can change education. We can imagine, really, I like to think of it instead of change because that feels like hard work, but reimagine and redesign those systems. But part of the challenge has been we're so overwhelmed in our own daily lives that no, most people haven't had a chance to you know, put their head above and see, like, how can I start to make change or how can I be part of that? And that's overwhelming in itself. And so I really believe that all social and systemic change, in order for it to actually last, has to be rooted in personal transformation. Yes. And that, frankly, is the harder part. You know, it's easier to go out and rail for or, you know, rage for a cause than it is to actually look in your own heart and look in your own being and your own psyche and find those parts within you that drive you to overgive and overwork and sacrifice yourself and create realities that aren't really sustainable and or even nourishing to you. And, um, but that's where our power is. And, you know, it's the, the same thing. Be the change you wish to see is not a nice refrigerator magnet, everyone. It is directive. It's a, it's a life directive. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and that was really beautifully put. Um, yeah, and I'm looking at the time, so maybe it would be good to take our break now. So just before we go to break, um, when we come back, I, I really would love to dive into, you've, you've outlined beautifully uh, 11, or sorry, 12 imprints that we, and remembering that we're calling these imprints versus beliefs, because these are so hardwired into our cellular structure and our DNA from the way things have been done. So you have identified 12 of these imprints that we can actually uh, need to release and then new ways of being that we can embrace. So we'll dive into those and there's some really interesting concepts like talking about being this change that you wish to see. One of the ways to do this, and I love this concept, harmonic defiance. Um, so we'll dive into that and other fun concepts like using your crazy wisdom um, uh, when we come back. I am talking today with Christine Arilo, a return guest to Sunny in Seattle. She has a new book that has just come out called Overwhelmed and Over It, which I think we can all relate to. Uh, if you want to find out more, you can visit her website at christinearilo.com. The last name is spelled A R. Y-L-O. You are listening to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. We'll be back in just a few. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazarus, and this is Climate Connections. As the weather gets colder, Carmen Fernholz of Minnesota enjoys looking out at his fields of Kernza. This wheatgrass is a perennial, which means it overwinters and comes back in spring. It's so nice to see some green fields late into November and December and early again in March and April. 
Kernza grows chest high, with roots that can extend nearly 10 feet below ground. So over time, it helps build soil carbon, improve soil health, and reduce runoff. We look at increased rains that we're getting even in western Minnesota. We got a way to take care of that extra precipitation all the better. And Kernza can provide farmers with two crops, forage for livestock, and a grain that can be used in cereal and other foods. So it's promising, but new. Fernholtz is growing a small amount and giving feedback to researchers. He says his main concern is figuring out how to keep yields up over time. But he says growing Kernza for a few years between other crops will improve his soil. And so by utilizing the Kernza, it's just going to make that field much better for my major revenue crops of corn and soybeans. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. Disability is not inability. A person's ability may be different, but still an ability. No matter one's race or age, no matter one's physical or mental condition, we all have limitless possibilities. For more than 100 years, Easter Seals has helped the one in four people with disabilities in America live, work, learn, and play. I'm Angela Williams, CEO of Easter Seals. Visit EasterSeals.com to help. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. Uh, you are listening today to my interview with Christine Arilo. She's a transformational leadership advisor, best-selling author, uh, podcaster, and all the good stuff. And she has a new book, Overwhelmed and Over It, that we're talking about. And before the break, we were talking about, you know, that the, the consciousness that got us here is not the consciousness that can take us where we need to go. And part of going where we need to go means releasing these, these imprints that you have identified that really set us up for burnout and are not sustainable. Um, and one of the concepts that you talk about in the book, um, I believe it's, I'm actually jumping all the way to the end. This is from uh, releasing the imprint that says, take it all on um, and embracing just staying focused on our part. And part of the superpower to be able to do that, you identify as what you call harmonic defiance. And you even include a short little anecdote about Ann Richards, who, if those of you out there, I feel like people would know who she is nationwide, but having grown up in Texas, I knew exactly who she was. She was still alive, living in Austin when I was in law school, used to see her at my local Starbucks. I adored Ann Richards. Um, so I'd love it if we could talk a little bit about harmonic defiance and how Ann Richards exemplified it in the 90s in Texas politics. Mm. I love it. I just got total body chills as you were um, you're saying that, Sunny. Okay, everyone, like open your ears up. Open your. You're gonna love this. So harmonic defiance is um it's, it's not. It's, I'm gonna read you the definition um of it because it's just easier to read it because it's so clear. Um, so I'm gonna read it here from page 279. Um, so here's what the superpower of harmonic defiance is. It is choosing to defy the systems and realities that do not work for you not by ranting and raging, but by doing things differently in wise ways that cultivate harmony. It is choosing to proactively create new realities by how you design your life, lead within your organization, community, and family, and show up in your relationships. You don't ask for permission. You just choose what is in harmony and do it. Mm. And just like 
take that in for a moment. I remember when I, I found the words harmonic defiance. They're not my words. I actually read them in a book by a woman named Barbara Marciniak. Um, but I had been doing it for my whole life, and I just didn't have the words for it. And if you don't have the words for your superpowers, it's kind of a little bit like being Wonder Woman or a superhero, and you like you know you're naturally really good at something, but you really like you're like Wonder Woman would be like, oh, I have a lasso, I know it does things, but I really don't totally know how to use it. So harmonic defiance. What's so powerful about it is that it really does empower you when you get like you have choice, and this was the thing. This ties it back to tie it back to Ann Richards and also to Gloria Steinem, who I had a was able to have a personal conversation with during the research for this book. That it's all about choices. Everything like at the bottom of everything I'm trying to write in this book and teach, and where our power comes from is embracing that. And how you even how you were talking about Sunny, how you start your day, like that one thing. To me, if, if you were to say that, what are the three things to focus on? That one thing, how you start your day, is how you live your day. Um, and that little choice, you have complete power over, even if you have three kids, two dogs, and seven ducks. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so, like, small choices like that. And then there's bigger choices. So Anne Richards is in this power, which this chapter is about liberating your power. And I'm one of her, um, one of her, her daughter-in-law has actually been a student of mine, and she does. I mean, she's a beautiful artist who does a lot of the artwork for my feminine leadership programs. And Sharon and I were having a conversation one day, and she was telling me about a conversation she had with Ann Richards, who was this, you know, powerhouse governor in Texas in the late '90s, in like total big, big old boys network. And Sharon asked her, like, how do you deal with that? And Anne just said to her, she goes, you know, I just sometimes say I'm not going to waste my chi on that. Which I yeah. have to just say, like, this is Texas in the 90s. Chi is not a word that is thrown around, but I can totally hear Ann Richards in that thick drawl that she had. I'm not going to waste my chi on that. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and you think about that in terms of like what's going on in the world right now and staying focused on your part in harmonic defiance is that I mean, this is one of the things like you you can go onto Facebook and you can see all of the chi being wasted all over the place right? yes. <laughs> it's like a big chi sucker um, yeah. and, and and it's something like when I work with my, my clients who are doctors and work inside the systems and you know they're trying to make change but they're it's like they're they're just giving everything whether it's to their family or to their family system or to their, their work system, and they're, and, and they're exhausted and they're burned out and or they're just like they check out and get out. Um, and so Anne's philosophy of like choosing not to waste your chi on that is so empowering because that's your life force. And your life exactly. force is your energy. And then, and then the, the thing about harmonic defiance, you all, is like, this is what I love about living in Seattle. When I came up here, I went to a, a women's daring, a daring women's event that they had, and I was listening to all the women speak. And I was, I was like, they're, they're not talking about consciousness. They're just living consciousness. They're mm. not asking for permission. These women are talking about the changes they're making in their teams and their lives, whatever. And I'm like, I love the women of Seattle. This is amazing. <laughs> like, it was just like not talking about it, but just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you just brought up uh, another beautiful concept in the book um, that comes from um, the the chapter on, you know, the old way of being the way to release the imprint to release is about draining your energy, getting sick 
or burning out and then finally refilling versus embracing this new imprint of cultivating and retaining your life force. And you just mentioned life force. And really, I mean, same chi could be used interchangeably, I believe, with that or prana. Um, And I love the story that you tell about you learning your own uh, lesson around uh, not wasting your chi. In fact, instead of draining it, the word retain was a very big word for you. Do you mind talking a little bit about life force energy and retaining? Yeah, I, I would actually love to share a wisdom bite. It's one of the self-sustainability stands that I, I wrote in Overwhelmed and Over It and just give this to you all, which is to remember this, put this imprint in. I retain, not drain my life force. Mm, I retain, yeah. not drain my life force. If you were to think about it almost like a, like a graph, you know, like a line graph, you think about how most of us operate. And, you know, we, I'm, if we took a raise of hands, like how many of you have ever wished you could just get sick? So you could slow down and could take a break. Anybody? My mentor, one of my mentors, favorite ones, was just talking about this earlier this week, that in her past life, she used to wish for hospitalization just so she'd get a break from her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have, I, have, I have heard so many people, even like, you know, I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who was a New York Times bestselling author, and she had just put her book into the world, one of the bestselling female authors of all time, <laughs> I'm like, are you you having fun? Or she was sick. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry you're you're sick. And she's like, no, this is great. I can rest. And I'm like, oh, Oh. my God. Like, that's when I really saw the the imprint. Um, I mean, here's a New York Times bestselling author talking about happiness. And she's struggling with the same thing all of us do. And so what happened for me is I realized that I was in what I call a burnout cycle. And all of us have these. Um, some of you, it might not turn out as burnout, but it'll, you'll get sick. Like my former assistant, before she started working with me, every December she would just crash and get sick for two weeks. So she's a mother of five, runs her own business, has a partner, and so she just gave and gave and gave. And then every December she would get sick, and she would just be like, well, that's not that's not that normal, but you're supposed to get the flu in December. I'm like, no, that's not normal. That's just what you've come to accept. Um, and for me, my burnout cycle is I would work like almost like a machine for three months and give and work and give and produce and create, and then I would fall into a hump and a it was like like you know, and I would drag myself into my acupuncturist office and he would put needles in me, and then say, "Here's our herbs. Come back in two weeks." And after working with Dr. Fang in Oakland for about a year, he got out, he caught on to my cycle, <laughs> and one day he literally, instead of putting needles in me, he put his hands on my stomach, and he said, retain, Christine, retain, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, it's just like, you know, when you have an epiphany, and like the light bulbs go off, and I went home, and I wrote, retain my energy, retain my life force, and that is how I actually then... Uh, develop the practice, like, okay, then how do I do that? Like, how do I actually monitor my life force daily, which I do, so that I don't have to get to burnout where I'm serving from my lower, you know, almost energy tanks. Um, and so just like you have a relationship with your, with, you know, like it's a relationship with your life force so that you don't have to drain it before you refill it. So it's like having a cell phone. You don't want it to go to zero before you recharge it. Like put it on the charger at 80%. Um, and so that's, it's, it's, it's one of the top three things. I think if you just focused over there, you would see significant shifts in your overwhelm. Yeah. And one of the things I, this is, uh, one of the quotes in the section on retaining versus draining, 
I love this when you say, and when you make your daily choices in alignment mm. with the life force level that you have each day, the universe takes notice and small synchronicities happen. And I found that to be so true. And I just thought that was the, the I mean, the little cherry on top as if just the what retaining versus draining will do for you. But then the universe kind of rewards us, I think, as you have said, when we make choices that are in alignment, in alignment with our life force energy. Yeah, well, it, it's funny though, and everyone, it's the universe supports us. Yeah. So you know what's part of what's happening here is that we 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 have our, like a, a, la- a lack of receiving crisis going on. Yes. Right. We've been taught to be really strong achievers. We've been taught to be selfless caregivers, but most people really suck at receiving, and they have <laughs> a hard time receiving support even when it comes in, like whether it's a compliment or it's, you know, somebody trying to help you with your back. I can't tell you how many retreats I have where women show up and my partner is this beautiful, like, you know, six foot two, 250 pound man could carry, could probably carry you and I, Sonny, at the same time. <laughs> you know, he could definitely carry more bags than you and I, you know, should be lugging around and he would go up to them and he would ask them, you know, I'll take your bag for you. And they'd be like, no, no, I've got it. They'd be like, no, no, really, like, I'll take the bag. And you could see them, like, they'd have this moment, they'd look at him, and they're making a decision, like, which imprint's going to, you know, <laughs> which imprint's going to go off here. Half of them, you know, give him over the bag the second or third time, and it's like I see their whole little brain and their eyes start to shift, and they're, they're having what I call a holy receiving moment, where they're like, they've just given the burden of everything to someone else to actually be like, I'm not going to carry the burden. I, I don't have to carry this. And they just go and they exhale. And then they go off and they do something fun and have all this joy. The other half say, no, I've got it. Like kind of like Mr. Man back mm-hmm. off. And they, and I watch them like struggle with their bags to their room and they're sweating and the bags are going all over the place. And the other women are like off having fun and free. And that's a metaphor for how we live our lives and how much burden we carry and how hard it is, especially for women. I don't know, Benny, you'd have to tell us how it is for men, but I know, I think it's the same, just different imprinting. We really struggle with that. Yeah. And it's, when you write about this, and I think you just used a perfect example, because I'm just going to put it out there for the listeners that... I know I personally have a history of not of in my I'm it's improving every day, but I have a history of not receiving. And the way that I started was number one, just like you said with your partner, Noah, when I first got together with my partner, Chase, he would try to carry the groceries upstairs or open the door for me. And I didn't want any of it. And slowly but surely he broke me down, not in, not in a bad way, but in a way that I finally allowed him to give and me to receive the support that he was offering. That started to shift things. And then a wonderful suggestion you have in the book that I uh, really invite everyone out there to practice is the next time someone gives you a compliment, say thank you, let it land without self-deprecating or, oh, let's say they compliment your hair. Oh, it's so dirty. I haven't washed it in two days and it's uh, blah, blah, blah. Just can you let a compliment land? That practice alone, and as I said, you recommend it in the book, Christine, that shifted so much for me. And it's these little, it's little practices in everyone. I call them, I call them um, simple but significant practices. And I see a lot of times as I teach them, and there's lots of them in the book, I'm like all about like breaking through to new concepts and perspectives and elevating our consciousness. 
And I also like, how do you do that? You know, I, <laughs> I'm yeah. an MBA. I want to know how to like, make it happen, right? Like I'm very practical. And there's re- these really simple but significant things and practices that when we do them in our daily life or you make the choice in that moment, like you said, Sunny, your, your partner says, you know, like, let me, let me help. Let me support you. You don't have to carry it all, right? Those bags that you're carrying are a metaphor for all of the over-responsibility we take for our kids, for the world, for organizations, for all of it. I see it all the time. I have been it myself. I, 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 over-responsibility is one of, um, one of my overs. There's 13 different kinds of overgiving. Over-responsibility has been mine, mine for a long time. And yeah. so these people, it's, I think it's what short-circuits us to be like, oh, my God, like the world, there's so much to fix. And, oh, my God, like there's so much. How am I ever going to shift it? It starts with these simple but significant shifts that you make for how you, like, just like what we're talking about. And then that creates this momentum that opens up, to, that takes the pressure off, that then yeah. with the pressure off creates the space to start to reimagine and receive that divine guidance and that crazy wisdom to start to do things differently. Yeah, and I have to use an example from your book that I want to hear more about um, that it, it, it fits beautifully into this conversation around overgiving, under-receiving, and following our crazy wisdom, um, that if you had not had your receiving muscle getting stronger, you never would have met Gloria Steinem. Do you mind sharing what receiving actually opened up for you? And then I would love to hear about that meeting. Mm, I would, everybody. So I'd like to, um, we've, 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 we've told everyone, Sonny, about their, all you all, the, the superpower of harmonic defiance. Mm-hmm. Receiving is actually also a superpower. Um, and it's one of those things that you said, Sonny, like your partner broke you, broke you down or something, but really he <laughs> broke you open. Oh, yes. Because yes. It's, it's all about love. I mean, it's all about our heart. That's where this, you know, this, this, this all happens at. And so as I was researching the, the book and or the, I was researching overwhelm and burnout and this inquiry of like what, <laughs> why, as, as why we haven't, we've been told to do and be and have it all, but it's not working and we're so smart. And actually the happiness levels of women in the 21st century are worse than the women in the seventies and the eighties, like what's going on. And I knew I had to like talk to somebody who was at the forefront of the last rise and of the women's movement. And so Gloria Steinem, of course, came to mind. I'm like, how am I going to meet Gloria? Like, am I going to tweet her and be like, Hey Gloria, I've got a question for you. Like, you know, I'm like, no, I can't do that. And so I'm like, I don't know, but I just knew I had to meet her and, and I would have like these, like, I have, like, I have dreams about her. And I'm like, I, and I didn't know how it was going to happen. And so I was invited to be part of a sisterhood. This is also part of support, a group of 10 women, a, a mastermind. I call them feminines when they're women. And I was invited to be part of it. And on our first um, on our first meeting, one of the women in the group mentioned that she was hosting a small luncheon, a benefit fundraiser for Gloria from Ms. Magazine. And, you know, they had two tickets left. And I was like, oh, this is amazing, you all. I'm like, I'm going to get to meet Gloria. And then she said, <laughs> and the tickets are $2,500. And my whole job just went, oh, because <laughs> I did not have $2,500 in my budget for a lunch. And so I get, out, I leave the, I leave the, the, the mastermind and I'm I'm in San Francisco and I'm, you know, waiting for public transportation to pick me up on the platform. And I just, like, I could feel Gloria's presence. I'm like, I just, I just have to meet her. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I, I said, oh, well, let me just reach out 
and say to this woman, hey, how could, is there any way I could come and support the, the luncheon? I don't have the $2,500, but this is, and I shared with her my story and what I was up to. And all the next day, she emails me back, and she says, you know what, just come. I will handle your, I'll, you know, I'll pay for your ticket. And I was like, I, I just met this woman like an hour beforehand. And I like, I'm like in that moment, I'm like, can I receive this? Without being like, I have to do something for it. Because that's what happens oftentimes. We do receive, and then we go, we have to make it up to this person. And I, it was my holy receiving moment. And that's how I ended up in a room of 40 women with Gloria. And at the end, um, was like, I'm not leaving this place until I asked her these questions. And I sat next to her on this chair. I remember she was talking to someone else. And this is, um, this is part of how the feminine works, is I just sat there and I waited for her to turn to me instead of like feeling like I had to like, you know, chase her down or ask the question. And like, you know, I just waited and she turned to me and she took my hand and she goes, hi, I'm Gloria. And I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Christine. And she's like, what can I do for you? And I'm like, you've been in my dreams. I have a question for you. She's like, okay. And then that opened up um, and she gave me some of the pieces that I really needed to understand about why that then got woven into this book. Um, about choices and why we were where we were and why we couldn't shift because of the systems were really not are not built to support us. Oh, that's such an incredible story, and I really appreciate you sharing it because I, I love the, the the mention of it in the book, and I thought that had to have just been such a magical experience to live. It really was, and it's 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 those receiving moments. I mean, I can think of so many. I'm, I'm sure that everyone just to take a moment and just. Think of that for your own life about the moments that you know you really allowed yourself to receive and I think I know for myself I don't know how this is for sounding for all the rest of you sometimes we have to have like a devastating thing happen in order for us to receive like when my partner my partner had a stroke at the age of 42 he's fine now but in that process we were actually um, we had sold our house in California and we were nomads we were living we wanted to live and work from anywhere in the world and we were staying at a friend's house in California while they were in Europe and he had the stroke and when that happened I had to like, I had to open up to receive like people like literally letting us live in their houses and people someone gave me a car to drive and you know all these people that showed up around me versus I was you know, take, not taking on responsibility for everything, but doing my part and then allowing all this other support to come in. And it wasn't that I didn't have my superwoman sob moments during that time, but I had a lot less because I really was, I wasn't forced to receive support, but it kind of, do you know what I mean? And it like, broke you open. I have to get to that place yeah. of, of distress to receive support and start to actually, for me, like how, when I vision my year every year in January and I teach visioning, we don't just talk about what we want to achieve after we get clear on what our intentions are and what we want to achieve. We go deep into what's the support I need. What do I need to receive emotionally, mentally, spiritually, materially? And then you got you to gotta claim the need. You got to speak it. Like I need this. In order mm -hmm. to do that, I need this. And then work with the universe and work with people around you to actually allow it to come in. But if you don't speak it and claim it and name it, it's really hard to, um, you know, have it come into your, into your sphere. Yes. Oh, well, you know, we've got, oh gosh, we've got like two minutes left and I have many questions that we haven't gotten to, but you know, Christine, 
But let me turn this back on you. Is there anything from the book or any concepts? I know we didn't really dive deep into the crazy wisdom, which I think is, is a, such a fun concept. But is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure listeners hear about from the book or your work and your, your message? Well, I think just I'll keep it really simple because, like, there's so much that we could go yes. into. But I, I would like – I'm all about, you know, tr transformation now. And so the, the inquiry I would give to everybody is to go into your life and for the next month or the next even while, you know, the next couple of weeks, ask yourself the question and look around, what is sustaining me and what is draining me? What is sustaining me and what is draining me? And look at your relationships, look at your work, look at how you're working, look at what's going on in your money, look at your patterns and habits around your health and your daily practices. And you can just even make a little list, you know, sustaining and draining and kind of, you know, write down things. And then after a month or the two weeks or whatever, look at the places where you could actually make some change. Like I always say, pick one or two places where you can make shift happen now and make that small shift. And then that's going to that's gonna keep your life force up. And from that life force, when that life force is full, you make better choices. You feel more harmonized, centered, calm on the inside. And that's then how you can manifest um, and bring in you know, the life and world you want to create. So that's where I would have everyone start. Yeah, that's beautiful. And there, the way that the book is set up, it really does, you know, as you say at the outset, we don't need more tips, life hacks, and surface level fixes to add to an already full to-do list. And I have to say, your book is a wonderful way of just doing things differently without adding. In fact, there are many things that just, in reading this, as you were doing earlier in the show, saying, okay, let's just breathe, let's just breathe. This book felt like an exhale and how it could shift things without adding um, and it, it goes to the root, as you say in the outset, you know, this is about fixing root causes, not symptoms. Um, so in any event, um, I highly, um, uh, well, I can't do that on KPCA, but <laughs> Christine's book is, if you are overwhelmed and over it, the name of the book, um, it will help you to um, create the change that you wish to be and you wish to see. Um, you can find out more at Christine's website, which is christinearilo.com. And the last name is spelled A-R-Y-L-O. The name of the book, again, is Overwhelmed and Over It. Uh, Christine, thank you for returning to Sunny in Seattle. It's been a joy to speak with you. Mm, thank you so much. Yes. And thank you everyone for listening. Um, I'm your host, Sunny Joy. You've been listening to Sunny in Seattle and we will see you next week.